Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Please be seated. Brothers and sisters, before we turn to the Word of God, I just would like uh, for us to pray and that, to ask the Lord to prepare our hearts. Holy Father, thank you that we can take this time to look into your, into your Holy Word. Father, I pray that you would anoint me and Vova, Yonatan, Yosef, the, the translators. I ask, Lord, that you would help me to deliver your Word to your congregation. In the name of Yeshua. Amen. We felt in the leadership that we should uh, bring a message to you about the, the functioning of a congregation and the form of the congregation, how it's built. From time to time it is important that we teach about this subject because we have new people in the congregation. So this morning it's going to be more of a teaching than a message. If you have uh, notebooks and uh, pens then it would be good that you could write down uh, these verses. Because in that way you can go home and go over these verses and receive something more personal even to your life. I've prepared a PowerPoint presentation that could help us, but it's uh, only in Hebrew. First of all, in order to prepare this in three languages, it takes more time than to prepare for the actual message and teaching today. But also I think it would be really good that all of us would uh, start getting used to Hebrew. We will mention uh, the verses, the, the places in the Bible that we're reading from, so if you don't know Hebrew and can't follow the PowerPoint presentation, you can follow it along in your own Bible. So this morning I want to talk about the New Testament congregation. And first of all, I want to introduce you to, uh, to a person, and his name is Moshe. You see him? This is Moshe. Now Moshe has a few questions about the Kehillah. What would he like to see in the Kehillah or the congregation? Let's see the first thing. He would like to see more parties and trips. The second thing, with no uh, correction. He won't, don't correct me. Let me live my life the way that I want to live them. The third thing that he's thinking of, it's about time that they will change uh, the cookies to a different brand. And he's continuing to think that one day, maybe one day I'll find the perfect congregation for me. Now Moshe represents many believers in Israel and around the world. People who are looking for the congregation who would suit or, or suit their needs, meet their needs. But brothers and sisters, there is no congregation which suits us, meets our needs. Because in the Word of God, God has made it clear how a congregation should be built and how it should run. In Exodus chapter 29, there is a verse there that speaks about the tabernacle or the tent of meeting. You, you can read this in Exodus 29 in verses 42 and 43. In verse 42 says, This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord, where I will meet, meet you to speak with you. Verse 43, And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. So the tabernacle or the tent of meeting that God commanded Moses to build in the wilderness, it was a place where the presence of God could rest. And God says to the people of Israel, In this place I will meet with you. In this place I will reveal myself. And later on we know that the tent of meeting uh, became the temple. The first temple was destroyed. The second temple was built. The second temple also was destroyed. And since then the people of Israel were in exile until 1948 when God um, re-established the country, the state of Israel here. But since the destruction of the second temple and to our time most of the activity took place in the synagogues. What is a congregation? It is a group of, of people who are gathered into one place. It's an organized group. In our case, it deals with faith and family. 
Now let's turn to First Peter and chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2. And we're going to read verse 5. This is what it says. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Yeshua the Messiah. It is important to uh, mention and make it, make it clear that the church or the congregation is not the building, but the congregation is you and it's me. We see in this picture, it's quite an old picture, but it's not this building. It's you and it's me. Each one of us here is a stone within the congregation or the church. And together we are being built up to be a spiritual house for God. Now in order to learn about the Keilah, the congregation, we need to go back to the beginning. We have to go back to the foundations to see how the first congregation was run. So let's turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit fell in Jerusalem. More than 3,000 people came to faith and the first congregation was born. Let's see what they did. Verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. If you would have visited the first congregation, you would have said, Oh, it's a very primitive congregation. They're kind of old style. They're not really new. In this time where we're living, it's, there's many styles of congregations. Every time someone else arises with a new idea of how the congregation should be. It's okay that we are different, but there are basic things which cannot be changed. If you want to build a congregation, you have to do these four things. Let's look at the first thing, the Apostles' Doctrine. Second uh, Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for inspiration and righteous instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. One of the pillars of the congregation must be the Word of God, the Apostles' Doctrine, the Tanakh and the New, New Testament. If someone will come tomorrow, for instance, and say, Oh, I've received a revelation, maybe that's me. And suddenly I'm writing you the first epistle of Danny Sayag. And I'm telling you, this is the Word of God. Go according to the Word of God. No, you do not accept that. Everything that God had a desire to give to us, He gave to us in the Tanakh and the New Testament. So the congregation should be strong with teaching the Word of God. And when we are talking about learning and studying the Word of God, it doesn't mean that it's always nice things that we will hear. Sometimes there is place for correction and reproof. And it's not easy to hear these things. Because in our fleshly way, we want to do what we think. Countless times I have to deal with people who want to do something. And I show them from the Word of God, God says, do not do this. If they really want to go according to the Word of God and change, then they make a decision and they do the right thing. But some people still decide to go on with what they are thinking. And sadly, they put themselves into trouble that they could have avoided. When I was in Singapore, we ate breakfast somewhere, me and Yusuf. And I met there the woman, she was from Indonesia, and she prepared the omelette for us. And so I started to talk with her, and I started to tell her about God. And then suddenly we found out that she also believes in Yeshua. And she says, but my husband is not a believer. And she married a non-believer. Now, the Word of God is very clear. It says you cannot be unequally yoked. But when you ignore the commandments of God, then you are putting yourself into uncomfortable situations. The Apostles' Doctrine. 
to correct and to reprove, to correct, to educate, so that the man of God would be complete. The second thing is the fellowship. Now when we talk about fellowship, we're not talking about sitting together for a cup of coffee. Let's look in 1 John, 1 John chapter 1, and verses 5 to 7. And I want to tell you before we read this, that the word in Greek for fellowship is konionia. Let's check your Greek. Let he, let's hear you say it. Kononia. Now what does that mean? It's a group of people who are holding on to something that they share, something common, in common with all of them. Now in Israel you hear many times the word kehilah, congregation. There is a congregation, a kehilah of those who like to fish. I am also a member of that kehilah. But we have something in common that we share, something that interests all of us. Now someone who... Now, someone who is absolutely crazy about motorbikes won't come to a kehilah that deals with fishing. He would go to a kehilah which likes, everybody's interested in motorbikes. So when we talk about fellowship, we're talking about something that we share, something that is in common with all of us. Now, what is common to all of us? The Word of God speaks of our common faith and our common salvation, our unity in Messiah, fellowship in the Holy Spirit. These are things that do not uh, have anything to do with how we look or our background. That's why I can be in fellowship with an Arab brother. That, that's why I can be in fellowship with a guy from Indonesia or Singapore. Because we have something in common with each other. How wonderful it is sometimes to meet people, believers, that you've never met before, and within a second you already feel the connection. It's because of the fellowship. First John, look what he says. If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Yeshua the Messiah, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Yeshua cleanses us from all sin. So the whole issue of fellowship between us also pertains to our personal walk with the Lord. When we walk in the light, one with another, and in light with our Lord, then we can be in fellowship. But if I walk in darkness, if I live a hidden life, I will not have true fellowship. So God is calling us now as a kehilah to walk in the light like we've never done before. Because only like that we can really experience true fellowship. The third thing, the breaking of bread. I believe it, 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 it's more uh, to do with the Lord's Supper, and today we're going to take of the Lord's Supper. But it's so important that we have the Lord's Supper, which reminds us of the covenant we have with God. And it's so important that we would remember that this covenant is not only with our God, but with one another. There is a, a verse. There is a very important uh, verse about the breaking of bread in 1 Corinthians and it, cause, it says that it causes us to be one in Messiah. We remember that our time here, it's only temporary that we're in this world. It's, and one day we will be with Messiah forever. Every time we take of the Lord's Supper, we remember those things. You know, sometimes I think that we maybe, we, we root ourselves, we put our roots in this world in a way that we think maybe we'll be here forever. But brothers and sisters, we need to be people walking with a backpack. I am just passing through. I am not staying here forever. 
I have a calling and I have a destiny, but I am not staying here forever. Every time we take of the bread and the wine, I need to remember that one day, hallelujah, we will be with Him in heaven. The next thing is prayer. And with the prayer, I would connect that to the praise and worship because that is prayer as well. Isaiah 56, verse 7. Even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. These are one of the most important callings of this congregation. This is the verse of this Kehila, this congregation. We are called to be a house of prayer. And next week you'll have an opportunity to pray more. We want to encourage you to come to Bet Yedidia, Ora Carmel, or Bet Nitzachon, to come and to pray. It's so important that our Kehila would be a praying congregation. If we want to see the work of God in our life, if we want to see the work of God in our city, if we want to see the work of God in our country, we must pray, we must seek the Lord. God called us to pray one for another. He called us to pray for our country like we did today. We prayed for what's happening in the country. I want to talk about the functioning of the Kehillah. We won't turn to all these places, but I will mention them and you can, turn, you can write them down. In the Word of God, the, house, the Kehillah is called the House of God. And that's to remind us that this is a place of family. It's First Timothy 3.15 It's a family which cares one for another. If you're looking for a kehillah where you can just visit on Shabbat, on Saturdays, and the rest of the week you don't care what's happening here, then that is, then that is not the congregation God is building, and that is not the congregation that God desires. Like in a family, we need to help one another and support one another. If there are different needs for different people, then we need to help them. If I hear that someone is sick, then I give them a call. Then I visit them. I help them as much as possible. God is calling His congregation a family, a house. In the Word of God, the congregation is also called the Temple of God. It's in 1 Corinthians 3:16 and 17. The sanctuary or the temple to remind us that in the congregation is a place of sanctification. It's a place I come in order to change. I don't come just to listen to nice songs or to meet good friends, but I come to change. God, cleanse me from sin. Put in me more of your presence. Sanctify me. Make me more like you. The congregation is also called in the Word of God the menorah or the lampstand. And you can find this in Revelation chapter 1, 12 to 16. Why is it called a lampstand? What does the menorah do? It brings light forth. It shines light so we can see the way. If you're at home and there's a power cut and it's nighttime, are you walking freely in your house? How are you walking? Like that. It's hard to walk like that, isn't it? There's many people in the world who walk like that. They don't know where to go. Our job, who we're called to be, is to put the light on and to show them this is the way. This is the right way. This is the way to God. So the, the job of the congregation, the function of the congregation, is to light, to shine a light for those walking in darkness. And the congregation is also called the Bride of Messiah. 
and that is in Ephesians 5.23. We sang the song, Life Forever. One day there will be a wedding in heaven. But I want to tell you that even now you are the bride of Messiah. And we are getting ready for a marriage. Now the connection and the relationship between the bride and the bridegroom is very close and intimate. I remember when I first met Luan, before we got married, I want to tell you it was amazing. I was willing to go from my base in Shechem all the way to, to Haifa just to be with her one hour. Because you want to spend time with that one whom you love. So in the congregation we need to sing songs of love to God. And sometimes I visit congregations where they sing a song. They sing a song and they finish and that's it. It's okay. But there is that kind of relationship that it's not only singing about who He is, but it's a song that comes from you to Him and it's a song that comes from Him to you. It's a love song. It's a close relationship with the Lord. And that is how the congregation should run. We come to sing to Him a love song to our bridegroom. Last week we heard the message from David how, how he focused in Song of Songs on his banner over me is love. The Kehilau, the congregation, is also called the flock of God. And that is 1 Peter 5.2. To remind us that we have a shepherd. It's the great shepherd. And we are his flock. We are a flock. We are sheep. Isn't it amazing that God chose to call us sheep? Why didn't he uh, choose to call us uh, bulls or oxen or, or, or elephants? Why sheep? And I remember that uh, Reuven Rossi was here. He checked it actually and he found out that the sheep is the most foolish animal there is. It's a really stupid animal. A sheep without a shepherd is destined to absolutely die. If it falls down, it can't even come up. The, the sheep can go in the flock of uh, sheep. There is the, the one that leads everybody else. And this is true. Um, there were stories that the leading sheep would go crazy and he would uh, stand at the edge of a cliff and would fall down. And all the sheep after him would just jump and fall as well. The flock of sheep, they need a shepherd. He is our shepherd. He is, it's in Hebrew something. We need to remember this here in the congregation. Praise God that we, we were called here to serve Him, to minister Him. But He is the Great Shepherd. Um, the Kehillah is also called the pillar and foundation of truth. 1 Timothy 3.15 You will hear here the truth of the Word of God. 1 Timothy also says, they, um, it says that people have gathered for themselves teachers um, just to please their ears, to, to, to give them what they wanted to hear. I was in congregations where people were teaching the Word of God. Excuse me, they just taught, but not the Word of God. They were telling stories, different jokes, but the Word of God was not declared. Or it's declared partially. The congregation is a place where we hear the true Word of God, the truth of the Word even when we hear it and it's uncomfortable for our flesh. A message of holiness and truth. The congregation in the Word of God is also called the body. Every person has a role to play in the Kehillah. Everyone here has a, a role to play in the Kehillah, has a job to do. Everyone. 
those you saw you saw on the platform before those who are serving with our children God takes their giftings and their talents and uses them God is calling each one of you here to give your gift to Him it's, it's not it doesn't work like this in the Keilah that some people do all the work and the other people just sit back and enjoy every person needs to contribute something in the Keilah whether it's with the children whether it's cleaning whether it's encouraging whether it's praying whether it's teaching every gift God has given us He's calling us to use it in the Keilah, in the congregation maybe there is some of you who think God didn't give you gifts you know when you will start discovering your gifts when you would be willing to serve then you will see your gifts suddenly surfacing then you will see God giving you gifts that naturally you could never have because He is looking for those who would serve those who would say here am I whatever you want don't come with conditions don't come with an attitude of I'm a teacher if you want me to help in the congregation let me teach the answer you will get start first with cleaning toilets and then we'll see first of all you come with the heart of a servant what do you need how can I help you I gave this example before but one time we needed help with our overheads and we've asked for we asked uh, one girl to help with this and you know some people are so spiritual that it amazes me sometimes and the answer was I need to pray about it hello you don't need to pray because God said Yeshua said serve is there a need here am I I remember David saying how he got to the congregation Times Square and David Wilkerson told him we need help with the sound so go help us go do it and David didn't know much about the sound but he did it anyway so there's some things you don't know yet but you're gonna learn as you go along everyone has a gift let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3 the importance of the Keilah, the congregation and I call this local authority Ephesians 3 and verses 10 and 11 to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purposes which he accomplished in Messiah Yeshua our Lord a local authority was given to the Kehilah, to the church. God put us here on this mountain. There's Osphia, there's Dalit El Carmel, and there's Haifa, together with other congregations in Haifa. But God has given authority. He releases a special power through the Kehilah to reveal the wisdom of God to the rulers and principalities in heaven and on earth. That means that we were called to spiritual warfare, but this warfare we cannot fight alone. We do it together as a Kehillah, as a congregation. It's good that one person prays, but when 300 pray, hallelujah, God is working. God changes situations. God can change everything that's happening in our city because He has given special authority and power through the congregation. Let's look in Ephesians in chapter 4, and we want to talk about the servants or the ministers within the congregation. It's hard to put into one message the whole issue of the Keilah, but I'm just trying to uh, shorten the things and give you the essence of them. 
Ephesians 4, and we'll read verses 11 to 13. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Messiah, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Messiah. Now a healthy congregation is a congregation which functions in all of these ways. I believe in each of these functions. When, I, when we talk about the apostles, we don't talk about apostles who would come and write New Testament number 2. But we're talking about apostles, people who are sent forth from the congregation to plant new works in places where there isn't a work there yet. For instance, David and Karen, when they came to Israel, they, came, they were sent, they were, they were apostles. They came to plant here the work of God. Maybe there's some people amongst you here. God is using you to send you and to start new works. Then there are the prophets. There are people amongst the body of Messiah who believe that this gift is, is not in operation anymore. It doesn't happen anymore. But, but I don't agree with that. I believe that still prophecy has its place in the body of Messiah. From time to time we can hear things that God has given people inside the congregation. Sometimes prophecy is not necessarily what's about to happen in the future, but it's an interpretation of the times we are living in now. But this gift, we must, take care, we must handle it carefully with the fear of God, because there are many, many false prophets. Many, many people who are, are just throwing words out in the air and are just saying things God never said. But when God said something, it has to come with fear and trembling, not just to say God says. You know that in the time of the Tanakh, if someone would uh, pronounce a false prophecy, they would stone him to death. They would stone that person to death. So to come and to say, thus say, saith the Lord, you have to make sure it's true. God also put evangelists in the Keilah. A week ago we prayed for Sergei and Yonatan, and we recognized the gift of evangelism God put in them, in their life. So we brought them forth before the Keilah, now, don't understand it uh, in a wrong way. All of us are called to be evangelists. But some people, God put a special calling on their life to invest more time into that. God's, God has put pastors in the Kehillah, those who will shepherd the flock, those who will deal with the different problems in the Kehillah, those who can lead the flock during tough times. And, and, and finally, there are the teachers those who will teach the Word of God, those who will uh, cause our faith to take deeper roots. For instance, our uh, shepherd uh, and pastor, Peter, he has a gift to be a teacher. It's amazing. When, when he teaches, I, every time I just say, wow, it's amazing how he does it. But not everyone has been called to be a teacher. It's something God has given. Now, is a prophet better than a teacher? No. Is an evangelist better than an apostle? No. Because the purpose of the gifts, the purpose of the gifts, the first thing, to equip the saints to the work of the ministry. It's to equip you in order that you would minister to the Lord. The second thing, to build up the body of Messiah. The gifts were given in order to build up the body of Messiah. Not, of a, not for personal fame, to say, look at me, I'm famous. It doesn't work that way. 
a gift that was given to you, then it's in order that you should help build up the body of Messiah. The third thing is to attain the full stature of Messiah. It's to change and to be as the Messiah, to be like Him. All of the gifts, all of the works of the different ministries, their purpose is that we should become more like the Messiah. Are you with me? Uh, we won't turn there, but uh, the verse is on the screen. It's, it's regarding the deacons, Acts uh, 6, 1 to 7. And I just want to tell you shortly what happened. There, were, uh, there was a fight between the Greek speakers and the Hebrew speakers. Because the Hebrew speakers would neglect uh, the issue of their widows. So these people would come to the apostles and would say, listen, they're neglecting them, they're not caring for them, the food and everything. And the apostles said, listen, we need to focus on the Word of God and on prayer. We cannot take care of every little thing that is happening here. I want you to choose seven people, and they would be deacons, and they would take care of these things. Now we have called Karina to be a deaconess, but there are other deacons in the Keilah, maybe they could stand up. I'd ask them to stand up. These are people who are chosen within the Keilah to do these different things in the Keilah, to care for these things. Sometimes we may tell you, go to the deacon, because if we will have to take care of every single little thing, we won't have time to dedicate ourselves to the Word of God and to prayer. You understand, congregation, what I'm saying? It's not that we don't want you or we don't care about you, because we can be social workers from the morning until night. And that's why the different functions and responsibilities are delegated to different people who can take care of these things. In Colossians chapter 4, there are people who are called in the congregation to be people of prayer. And we are calling, we, we, we read about uh, Apepherus in these verses, and his job was to just fight in prayer, struggle in prayer for the believers. There are people in the congregation with a calling on their life to pray. Some people may say, I'm too old, I can't help physically. But this is a ministry you can adopt for yourself, to be at home and to pray. Pray, pray for the congregation. Pray for the people in the congregation. This is a, a high calling and a ministry. And God wants to broaden this, widen this ministry, wants to increase the prayer in the congregation. And we spoke about the evangelists, that's the next slide. Acts 13, 1-4. There it says that while the congregation was fasting and praying, then the Holy Spirit said, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, for the work I have called them for. So there are times when in this congregation people will go out, will go forth and be sent to do something for God. But again, I want to say something very important to you. The fullness of blessing, so I believe, would be upon that person where he, when he would be sent out from the congregation. If he comes in, he says, I don't need a congregation. I received a revelation and I'm going to do what I want to do. The blessing of God will not be upon that man. I believe there is a blessing and there is an authority which God releases unto that person through the congregation. And the last thing, it's something for each one of you, something to do with each one of you, and it's regarding your leaders. And I hesitated if to share this verse, but I felt the Lord saying, do this by faith. And that is found in Hebrews 
Hebrews 13 and verse 17. Hebrews 13. We don't have it on a slide, but praise God, we have the Word of God. Hebrews 13 and verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. I have to just mention this. We are not a, a, a group of, uh, of like bosses or um, tyrants who are trying to just rule over the people. But we do believe God has placed an authority on the leaders here to deal with spiritual issues of the congregation. And when the leader comes to you and says to you something that is based on the Word of God and the way of God, then God demands of you that you should submit to the Word of God and the will of God. But if not, you know what would happen to the leader? He would, he would, he would sigh and the leader would, would, would be grieved and he would say, I don't know if I want to talk to that person again. But when there is a good relationship and when there is obedience and humility, who is going to be blessed because of all of this? The congregation, because the shepherd or the leader will do it with joy. So I want to tell you, congregation, care for your leaders. And I'm not talking about practically, but I'm talking about having a heart that is willing to receive. Because one day, me, David, and Peter, we will have to stand before God and we will have to give account on each one of you. Each one of you. Who wants to be in that position? The congregation of God. The congregation of Messiah. God is building it. And I believe that these truths we, we, we saw in the Word of God this morning, I hope it would help you to see the congregation through the eyes of God, the way He sees the congregation. And that you would find your place in the Keilah. Because the Keilah is you and it's me. And Yeshua is the head. Let's stand please. Lord, thank you for this congregation. Thank you that you have raised up this congregation. Thank you, Lord, that you are working within this congregation. And I pray, Father, you help all of us to work together to build up your congregation here in Haifa, that we would be that lampstand that shows the way. I pray that you would show, Father, each one of your children here today what is their part in your Kehillah, what is their contribution to the Kehillah. Father, I ask that you would help us, Lord, help us, Lord, to function correctly in the Keilah to show who you are through our lives.